grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in the book of Numbers. You may be seated. We begin with a word of prayer. Almighty Father in heaven, on this day we give you thanks for the gift of your Holy Spirit, who has come into our ears and to our hearts so that he might come forth from our mouths proclaiming the good news of Jesus. We pray this day, O Lord, that you would grant us your Holy Spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua was so nervous. Everything seemed to be out of control. All controls seemed to be lost. That was a tough thing because that day, everything went really well. Everything was so organized. There was a plan to follow. Moses seemed to have been orchestrating the event masterfully. The day just went off without a hitch. Let's bring ourselves up to speed to understand where we're at here in the book of Numbers. We are joining the Israelites today on their little 40-year jaunt towards the Promised Land. And as they're making their way towards the Promised Land, uh, a few long time back, Uh, Moses was leading the people kind of by himself. And as he was leading the people, he was a little overwhelmed with the number of responsibilities that were weighing heavily upon him. So his father-in-law suggested that, Moses, maybe you should gather around you some elders from among the people so that they can help you with all of the burdens that are being placed upon your back. And so Moses agrees to this, and he raises up a number of elders within the people of Israel. Well, on this particular day in our reading, Moses decides to have a little conference with all of those elders. He calls those elders to join him at the tabernacle, that is the the tent of meeting where Moses met with God and where Moses would, would sort of meet with the people and preach to the people. So he has his little preaching conference there at the tabernacle and he invites, invites 70 of the elders. And this is what happened. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied. That is, they they preached the Word of God. But they did not continue doing it. It was perfect. God comes, gives out the Holy Spirit, who always and is only found in the Word. They preached the Word to the people, and then it's a nice, clean event. The ministry action team had everything going smoothly, and then they were done. It was over, number says. They did not continue doing it. Everybody went home happy, satisfied. It was wonderful. Moses led. Joshua, I'm sure, had some orchestrating and facilitating responsibilities, and then everything was complete. And I can just picture at this moment Joshua, just to recreate it a little bit in my head, Uh, Joshua looking out, sitting back, taking out a nice cool glass of lemonade and putting up his feet and saying, that was great. What a wonderful preaching conference we had today. And then someone from the town shows up, running breathless up. And I I imagine first, it doesn't exactly happen like this in the text, but I, I like to imagine first this guy runs up to Joshua, breathless, and he says, Joshua, oh, good, I'm glad I found you. You're not gonna believe what happened. You know how Moses had all those, those elders here today and not everybody could show up? Like, like our buddies Eldad and Medad, they said they weren't going to be here. They stayed in the camp. Oh, you're not going to believe it. They started preaching. And Moses wasn't even there. 
They started proclaiming the word of God as if they had the same Holy Spirit. And don't get me wrong, Joshua, what they said was, was fine, I'm sure, but here's the scary part. People started to believe it. They actually started to listen. Without Moses being present, Moses wasn't even around, and you know how Moses likes the control. What are we going to do? You can just see Joshua, like the weight of the world, fall back on his shoulders, and he puts his lemonade down, and he's like, okay, breathe. Here's what we'll do. He's going to lose it, but I'll take care of it. Let's go talk to Moses. But listen, buddy, you're coming with me. So here's what happens. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord, Moses, stop them. And Moses, that law-giving, control-loving servant of the Lord, oh, they were just waiting for the fury. They were just waiting for the hammer to, to drop. They know how Moses likes to be in charge. They know how much Moses likes the law. One thing they didn't take into consideration is how as much as Moses might love the law, he trusted the Lord far more. And instead of getting angry, instead of just dismissing the guys and saying something like, listen, I'm going on sabbatical in three hours, I don't care anymore. Instead of saying something like that, Moses says, I, I guess, with a twinkle in his eye and a smile on his face, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets? That the Lord would put his spirit on them. It's as if Moses is looking at Joshua and this other guy and he's saying, listen, I just want to get this straight. You want me to be mad about people preaching the word of God. Is that right? You want me to be upset and try and stop God, the Holy Spirit, from bringing the people his word and drawing them to faith. You want me, just so I'm clear on this, to control God and silence God. You can see Moses looking at them and saying, you realize the people who control, try to control God and try and silence God, you realize we call them idolaters, right? Like, that's, those, that's a bad team. They're not on our side. No, listen, Moses says, it's my desire, and I like to think him almost saying, like, it is my prayer that the God would just give out his Holy Spirit with reckless abandon and that all of his people would be faithfully preaching his word. Now listen, Joshua, I can't get God to do this. I can't tell God what to do with the Holy Spirit. It's not my job. I can't control when and where the wind blows, let alone the Holy Spirit's activity. And for whatever reason, Moses might say, for right now, God is giving out his Holy Spirit within measure. But wouldn't it be wonderful if he gave him out to everybody? And I know he's going to do it when and where he wills on his own terms. But imagine a day when God gives his spirit to all who believe and all would faithfully proclaim his mercies. Oh, I would, says Moses, that he would do it. Moses is basically praying here for a day when the Holy Spirit would be given without measure. Well, fast forward 1,300 years to Jesus at the feast in Jerusalem that we heard about in our gospel reading today. I don't think today was, was fair for the readings, uh, and you had the longest reading and the hardest words maybe of the whole year, and I got three verses, so that was kind of fun uh, here today. But you have, you have John's gospel here where Jesus shows up at the Feast of Booths there with, with, in Jerusalem. And, and as he shows up there, the religious leaders were hoping for just another nice, uh, easy, routine festival of booths 
But instead, God shows up in the flesh, getting out of control, preaching without official authorization, and handing over God's word. And what's worse? For these leaders, the people are actually believing this stuff. They are believing Jesus. This is way outside of their control. They, they cannot handle this. But Jesus, one day, he stands up and he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, whoever, stop there, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, John gives a little commentary here to Jesus' words. He says, Now this Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now we'll get back to that second part about Jesus not being glorified and giving out the Spirit yet in a second. But notice what Jesus says here. That whoever believes in him, whoever is among the people of God, will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just imagine this. The religious leaders are thinking, who does this guy think he is that he can give out the Holy Spirit? That's God's job. This guy, who claims such divine authority, is way outside of the religious establishment's control. They probably sound a lot like Joshua today. Let's try and figure out a way to stop him. Because they just wanted a nice festival of booze. Everyone in line coming to hear, the, uh, hear them expound on God's word and hear all their opinions about the law and to listen to them place burdens on people's back and guilt them into obedience. This is what they wanted at that festival. And here comes Jesus just showing up, relieving burdens, forgiving sinners, casting out demons, raising the dead, and now he's graciously threatening to give everybody who believes in him the Holy Spirit without their permission. This is too much. He's making himself equal to God. Who does he think he is? The answer to Moses' prayer? Well, yeah. yeah. That's exactly who he is. Jesus is the answer to Moses' prayer. He is the God who comes to give out the Holy Spirit without measure. In fact, John in his Gospel in, in chapter 3 writes this, For Jesus, whom God has sent, utters the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. Jesus had come to do what Moses desired, to give the Holy Spirit to all God's people so that they would have the Word of God in their ears, in their heart, and on their lips. But now we read in John's Gospel that uh, this Holy Spirit could not be given out until the Word of God had been fulfilled and Christ himself had been glorified. And you just need to understand that in John's Gospel, glorification doesn't refer to Jesus ascending into heaven. The glorification of Jesus in John's Gospel is when he is lifted up on the cross and he dies. And then when he rises again from the dead for the salvation of the world. The religious leaders who claim to be disciples of Moses turn out today to be despising Moses. They despise his prayer for this one who gives the Spirit without measure. They, in fact, find themselves despising Moses' as God, and which is a shocking thing to say to those religious leaders. They considered themselves to be Moses' people. But when Moses' God showed up in the flesh and acted outside of their plans, they decided to take matters into their own hands to try and control things, and they crucified him. 
But even this was outside of their control. Little did they realize this was all part of God's plan. For that death of Jesus brought forgiveness of sins and salvation to the world. And Jesus rose from the dead. So that that forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed, delivered, handed out, so that once he was crucified, raised, and reigning, he would send his Holy Spirit to the church, to whoever believes in him, so that they would carry forth the message. And Jesus, in this way, gave the Holy Spirit to all who believe. And that is why we are here today, this Sunday which we call Pentecost. When we celebrate that day, when the Holy Spirit was manifested through the preaching of the apostles in the miracle of tongues. It is is a remarkable scene when the disciples stand up in the midst of all of those people in Jerusalem and begin to preach in another language so that all hear the gospel in their own language. But i got to tell you, the speaking of the tongues, as incredible as that is, that's not the real miracle that day. The real joy of that day is that Jesus is exercising his reign by giving his Holy Spirit without measure to all who believe. So that whenever and wherever you hear Jesus Christ crucified and risen, proclaimed for you for the forgiveness of your sins, you are actually listening to God the Holy Spirit let loose throughout the world without measure. You hear the Holy Spirit delivering to you the blood-bought forgiveness, life, and salvation that are yours on account of Christ. The Holy Spirit is only and always in that word, beyond our control, calling, gathering, enlightening, and keeping people in the one true faith with all of his gifts. And make no mistake, he has done this for you. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit, for Jesus Christ has come to you to forgive you all of your sins. And he has promised you everlasting life, and he has given you the gift of the Spirit. This is what Paul says in the book of Ephesians. We heard this last week, but it bears repeating. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance, of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. You have the Holy Spirit, or better said, the Holy Spirit has you. And it's not by your own reason or strength, but by his gracious will and work that the Holy Spirit has come to you and brought you to Jesus. Moses prayed that God would give the Holy Spirit without measure. Jesus comes and gives that Holy Spirit without measure. And now the Holy Spirit works in the church through the word to continue to bring Jesus Christ into our lives. And now remember what Moses prayed, that not only would we receive the Spirit, as whoever believed in him would uh, would receive the Spirit, but also that all of us would then be preachers of the Word. Not that all of us would be pastors or ordained or something like this, but Moses prayed that all would prophesy. And prophesy, just understand, means to proclaim the Word of God, to proclaim the mercies of God. You guys, you have the Holy Spirit in your ears and in your heart and who wants to work from your lips so that others will know the good news. That's how you came to faith because the Holy Spirit was let loose on somebody in your life and got out of their mouth and into your ears. And now as he dwells in your heart, he works through your mouth to bring his gospel and good news to the rest of the world. This doesn't depend on pastors who are lazy and take 10-week sabbaticals. It depends on the Holy Spirit who gives out his mercy without measure. 
It depends on Jesus, who sends the Holy Spirit. And he has sent him to you. So that you can look at your friends, your family, your, your neighbor. Proclaim to them the mercies of God, who has come in Jesus Christ for them. Now watch, you preach that word, you can't control the outcome. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how many people are going to come to the faith because of that little word. You can't control that sort of thing. Just ask Moses. I would suggest to you today that you not try and control. Don't control the Holy Spirit. Just proclaim Jesus. And watch him get to work. Just as he has done for you. Amen. We pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Son, Jesus Christ, that he has died and risen for us and now from you has sent to us the Holy Spirit. We pray, O Lord, that your Spirit would work in our hearts and in our minds, but also, Lord, from our lips, that others might come to know the good news of the salvation that is theirs in Jesus Christ. Faith, Lord, comes through hearing. Hearing comes through your word. So, Lord, give us your Spirit and your word so that others might come to faith with us. Keep it always in our ears and in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.